30 econ books in 10 minutes. I love economics. Having devoured some 30 books over the last 10 years, besides blogs and podcasts on economics, I feel at least qualified to impart my own two cents on the matter. I'm going to attempt to summarize my entire library on economic principles into one 10-minute read, or in this case, 10-minute podcast. I began my education on economics in 2010 when I lost my lawn business and the news was awash with the word economy, mostly in the context of being a bad economy. What is an economy? I asked myself. I found a book at the thrift store called Macroeconomics. It was a 400-page textbook that some poor college student probably paid 80 bucks for. I got it for 50 cents and started reading and I've been reading ever since. The only thing that matters. The question that started this knowledge journey for me is the one I intend on answering for you in the most simple way possible. What is the economy? Economics, simply put, is people getting things out of the ground and trading with other people who also get things from the ground. I shared this concept with a friend in a phone conversation once. He countered, that's not true, my Xbox doesn't come from the ground. Well, it's made from plastic and metal, both of which come from the ground, I explained. Oh, I guess you're right about that, he concluded. It was a rare moment I could enjoy feeling like Milton Friedman on the Donahue show. If you haven't seen it, it's a must-watch. I know some of you more familiar with economics are thinking, but isn't it goods and services? Sure, but you really can't provide a service if you haven't bought some kind of good or goods that enables you to provide the service. So it is my opinion that boiled down to its most simple element, economics is simply stuff that comes from the ground and is successfully traded. I actually didn't read that in a book. I came up with it myself, so I'll take the credit for it. Or maybe I did read it in a book and I just don't remember. That happens all the time. In political discussions, you'll hear fancy words like quantitative easing, stimulus, and reinvestment acts. Congress has passed nice-sounding bills with words like investment and stability in them, but really, if we want the economy to, quote, get going, we simply have to make it easier to get stuff from the ground and successfully trade that stuff on the market. Businesses can improve this process by eliminating unnecessary steps and costs associated with their work. If one business fails to do this, another likely will. This is why competition is beneficial to the customer. If the customer pays less for one product, he'll have more left over to buy another product. Now he's purchasing more with the same money. We call this an increase in demand. Efficiency, therefore, reduces prices and creates more demand. We call this phenomenon specialization. The natural consequence of efficiency is a reduction of prices. This doesn't happen forever, but it happens dramatically for newly invented items like electronics. Watching the price of TVs and PCs fall while their features and quality increase is like magic, isn't it?
The cost of eggs and milk, however, aren't likely to improve much as industry standards form the best possible process of creation and delivery. The law of diminishing returns presents itself over time. The price can still change with a change in supply or demand. If an outbreak in salmonella affects a significant portion of eggs and those eggs have to be thrown out, the amount of eggs is now less, which will likely raise the price. If, however, the public overreacts with panic and decides en masse that they never want eggs again, there'll be plenty of eggs unsold, and the, eggs, the price of eggs will then fall until the new supply and demand meet a new equilibrium. News sources can dramatically affect these as well. I suspect there are people behind business channels, especially who have taken advantage of trading behind these news trends. I know I have. Supply or demand. With that, I've just introduced the well-known concept of supply and demand. The big debate within economics can be summarized in two groups. One group emphasizes supply, the other group emphasizes demand. Those that focus on supply are the Austrians. Their theme is supply-side economics. Their motto is supply creates its own demand. The other school of thought is Keynesians. Their focus is on artificially creating demand through monetary policy. The Obama administration was in this camp and tried its hardest to stimulate demand in the economy. Now it is possible to stimulate demand. Just create a product that people want. The iPhone is a great example of that. No one demanded the iPhone until it was introduced. This new supply created new demand. What Keynesians focus on, however, is trying to stimulate demand by creating new money and buying things with it, and making money cheap to borrow with low interest rates. Their promises and projections have not quite matched up with actual outcomes. Their first response was, well, it wasn't enough, we needed more stimulus. So they did a round two and then a round three. Then they said, well, it uh, would have been worse. I don't think one gets to fail at a prediction on what actually happens, then gets to turn around and predict what would have happened in a non-existent timeline of events. Now they just declare that it did work. How do they know it wouldn't have taken six years to recover without interventionist policies? We may never know because the unfortunate reality is that politicians don't get credit for actions they didn't take, even when inaction was the possibly the best course of action. <laughs> Therefore, their impulse is to take action. What they really want is to take credit, credit that will benefit them politically. Politicians from both sides fall prey to this. The sad irony is that by attempting to create demand before an increase of supply is available, the intended outcome is sabotaged. For example, when the feds forced lenders to make subprime loans, this caused the price of homes to rise. What happens when prices rise? People buy less of the goods. And they can't afford them, you know, if the price rises too, too much. When people stopped buying houses, the bubble that was created popped. This well-intended policy and its goals sabotaged in the long run by short-sighted policies. Does anyone think that we came out ahead on that deal? The same thing happened in the bond market. 
The Fed has created trillions of new dollars to buy bonds in this exciting-sounding stimulus program. The side effect from this program is that bond prices went up as fewer bonds were left. Since prices for bonds went higher and their yields disappeared, investors shifted their purchases over to the stock market. Stock prices to return ratios are at all-time highs and were under the Obama administration, I believe. The Obama administration did not have any recession during his time, and I do not take that away from him. Yet it was the slowest recovery in history. The Trump administration has focused on supply-side economics by reducing copious amounts of regulations and taxes to corporations. These are powerful forces that enable corporations to run more efficiently. Sadly, the Fed has kept interest rates low and the federal government has been running up record amounts of debt. Like all presidents and politicians, economics isn't the only consideration. They answer to the people. The people want the best of both worlds, reduced taxes and generous government programs. We now have both of those, which is why the national debt is growing, enabled by the Federal Reserve who just buys that debt and keeps interest rates very low, basically zero. There is a narrow way out. It will be miraculous to pull off. There needs to be an economy so robust that interest rates can be raised back while copious amounts of tax revenue is brought in to pay off the debt. This payoff can be accelerated if few people need these government programs. Supply, supply, supply. Abundance is prosperity. The more we can produce with decreasing effort, the wealthier we all will become. Until we understand that root principle and focus on that end and reject nice-sounding, complicated, and elaborate schemes, the sooner we'll live in prosperity. Closing summary. I've simplified the entire economy for you into one idea, stuff that comes from the ground. I've introduced the concept of specialization, supply and demand, and the law of diminishing returns. I've parsed the distinction between the two major schools of economics, Austrian supply side and Keynesian demand side. Finally, I've provided real-world examples of these philosophies put into action, and I've done this all within 10 minutes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Remember to subscribe so you can get notified on my next one, and share this thing with others. Have a good day.